This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Um, give me great pleasure to introduce our next speaker, um, Dr. Garrett Rose, the newest member of our transplant surgery team. He's the only surgeon who still calls me Dr. Yao. <laughs> so... Uh, I've known Garrett since he was a model surgical resident and then later a model uh, surgery fellow. And um, uh, he spent a very interesting year uh, as a a senior international fellow uh, in liver transplant in Birmingham, England. And uh, and that was a really interesting year, and he brought back uh, some valuable experience, including... um, including this uh, normal thermic perfusion, which uh, really looks like a new paradigm in organ preservation, and I think it's incredibly interesting, and I'm so glad that uh, you agreed to uh, share your experience in this particular area. Thank you, Gary. So I know everybody is anxious to get to the break. I will do my best to talk about a a relatively big topic pretty quickly. So we're going to move into the donor world a little bit here and talk about normal thermic liver perfusion, which is a way that you preserve the liver from the time it's taken out of the donor until it's transported and brought to the recipient hospital. I don't have any financial disclosures, but I do have kind of a data disclosure because this is a new and emerging technology. And as with any new and emerging technology, there are early adapters. And sometimes the early adapters are able to identify a benefit that it's then difficult to demonstrate with a clinical trial, because clinical trials have a lot of uh, confining aspects. And I think that's the one issue that's going to develop with normal thermic liver perfusion. It's going to be difficult to demonstrate one of the very significant benefits of, or potential benefits of normal thermic perfusion. So I'll go on to talk about that. What I'm going to talk about mostly today is I'll explain normothermic liver perfusion and show you some examples of the different devices that are out there. I'll talk about why we discard so many livers as liver transplant surgeons and how we can possibly improve liver utilization using normothermic liver perfusion. So what is liver perfusion? Well, it's an alternative to cold storage. We take the liver and we put it on this device that has a closed circuit and we perfuse the liver with uh, packed red blood cells. It maintains the liver at normal body temperature, and it's oxygenated blood flowing through the liver, and it supplies the liver with nutrients and medications. It's basically a near-physiologic environment for the liver, which is much more, you know, it makes our cold storage look extremely clunky, as you can imagine. So how does it actually work? Well, at the donor hospital, the liver is procured from the deceased donor in the standard fashion, and then it's put on ice for a very short amount of time where it's uh, prepared to be put on the machine, and that takes about 30 to 45 minutes. So that 30 to 45 minutes while the liver is being prepared is the extent of the cold time if the liver is going to go on the device, as opposed to 6 to 15 hours of cold time if the liver is going to be put on ice in the traditional cold storage fashion. So that 45 minutes of preparation, and then the cannulas are put in all the appropriate vessels, and the liver is put on the machine. And here you can see this nice 
pink, well-perfused liver. It's a little hard to see there, but you can see that there's bile production through that top tube, that brown liquid coming out as bile as the liver is, uh, thinks it's in the body and is working and making bile. And then the, the machine has readouts of flow and um, metabolic activity. So we're comparing this to cold storage. So the basics of cold storage is that, well, we know from years of experience that it's very injurious to liver allografts and other organs as well. It's tolerated by livers from young, brain-dead donors and non-fatty and livers that are not steatotic. But it's not tolerated well by older livers or steatotic livers or livers from DCD donors. We know that from years of experience. We know that cold ischemia time plus a marginal liver allograft has a high risk for primary non-function and early allograft dysfunction. And those are major, major problems. But machine perfusion reduces the cold ischemia time by approximately 90%. I mean, we're talking about going from, you know, 10 hours down to half an hour or 45 minutes. So that's pretty powerful. These are some of the devices that are on the market or almost on the market. Um, the upper left is the liver assist. The Organox Metro, which probably has the most human experience, is on the lower left, and that's the device uh, for which we're going to be starting a clinical trial here in about a month or two. And the Transmedics device, which we're also interested in doing a clinical trial with, is on the lower right. So what about the data? Well, we have some human data. There's a safety study that's been published from Europe. This was using the Organox Metro device, the one on the lower left that I showed you. They looked at 20 patients from three centers, Oxford, our patients in Birmingham, and then King's College. They looked at 10 brain-dead donors and 10 DCD donors, and there were no arms. This was, there was no cold storage arm. This was just a safety study. And their primary outcome was 30-day survival. And what did they find? Well, 100% survival in both arms, so um, showing us that normothermic liver perfusion is safe as an alternative to cold storage. And the surgeons in the study observed that there was much less reperfusion syndrome when the liver was taken off the machine as opposed to coming out of the icebox. The next step was the Organox Metra randomized trial. So this was called the COPE Consortium. Again, uh, 220 patients this time. Seven centers, so the UK, Germany, Spain, Belgium, randomized to normothermic perfusion versus cold storage. And enrollment is completed, but we are unfortunately awaiting the results still. The outcomes are going to be peak AST, graft survival, and biliary complications. And one concern I have is what I alluded to at the beginning is that even if there is a difference in peak AST or even a slight difference in biliary complications or graft survival, those are going to be difficult to demonstrate in a trial such as this. And is a change in peak AST going to be enough to start the activation energy of, of purchasing a normothermic perfusion device and getting everybody to use it? And I'm not sure about that, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. I think the real benefit of normothermic perfusion is its ability to reduce early allograft dysfunction and really, really get rid of primary non-function, which I think is a really powerful thing. We know that these two complications are very difficult complications for the recipient. They're expensive. They're life-threatening. And they um, are most common with livers from marginal donors, so older donors, DCD donors, or steatotic donors. 
And this is, these are primarily the reasons why we turn down livers that are offered to us. If we think the liver is going to be high risk for primary non-function or early allograft dysfunction, then we're going to turn it down. And that's the 20 to 30% of livers that are not utilized after they're taken out of the donor. We know that our donor pool is worsening. This is data from the UK, but it mirrors the data in the United States. Uh, the number of ideal donors is stagnant along the bottom, and you can see the number of non-ideal donors based on weight and other past medical history is going up and up year after year. And this is, again, from uh, the UK. It's the number of DCD donors in yellow, which are considered marginal donors uh, by some, to uh, the brain-dead donors in blue, which are considered more standard donors. So we know that our donor pool is worsening, and this is the same in the United States. So these DCD donors and the marginal donors are at risk for primary non-function. But we know that if these livers get transplanted and they don't have primary non-function, they do have good function for a long time and are good grafts. We just need to find out which ones are at risk of primary non-function. And Unos has recently told us that we used about 6,300 of the um, 8,100 livers that were procured for transplant in the United States, and countless other potential donors are never even approached because we presume that their risk of primary non-function is going to be too high. So we don't go through the process of procuring their liver because we don't think we'll be able to use it. So how do we currently identify primary non-function or, or, or early allograft dysfunction? Well, basically, we transplant the liver and watch what happens in the recipient. Here's another way to look at potential... Uh, donors. This is again from England. Moving from left to right, these are donors going from identification to consent to actually organ procurement and transplant. Uh, the green line kind of in the middle is, is liver. So if you look at the um, between organs being offered and actually organs being retrieved for transplant, you lose about 60% of donors during that step. And again, that's because the recipient surgeon thinks that those organs are going to be too high risk for primary non-function or early allograft dysfunction. Then after the organ is procured, you lose another 15% or so, again, primarily for the same concerns. So the question is, how can we increase that number and utilize those organs that are currently not being utilized? Well, I think the answer is normothermic liver perfusion, and I'll just tell you briefly why. We think the primary non-function is caused by glycogen depletion, ATP depletion, and anaerobic metabolism during cold storage. This causes a severe ischemia reperfusion injury, and some livers are just unable to tolerate that in the recipient, and that becomes primary non-function. So if we think about normothermic perfusion, it reduces cold ischemia by approximately 90%. And We've seen from some data in Birmingham that during normothermic perfusion, glycogen stores are repleted in the liver. This is a liver that was uh, put on a normothermic perfusion device, and the biopsy before perfusion shows not much glycogen, and uh, the glycogen stores are replete after a few hours of perfusion. So do we think, do the early adapters think that this technology can really wipe away the risk of primary non-function? And they do. But... It's not that it can wipe away the risk of primary non-function, but it can perform another function as well, which has been termed viability testing, which allows you to test the viability or the function of the liver while it's on the device rather than transplanting it into a recipient and then determining whether or not it's going to work. Uh, 
So viability testing, I think, is probably the most important function of normothermic liver perfusion. So what does it really mean? Basically, you take the liver out of the donor, you put it on the device, and then you measure how the liver is working. Is it... Uh, have normal flow in the artery and the vein? Does it have, um, is it making bile? Does it have a normal uh, biochemical analysis? Is it able to reduce lactate, normalize the pH, and use glucose? And if you can meet all these criteria, then you, you can be assured that that liver is going to work in your recipient. And I think the people in Birmingham have decided that uh, reducing the lactate under 2 after two hours of normothermic perfusion is a really good test for a viable liver. So if you put a liver on the device and it's able to reduce the lactate in the perfusate down to two and keep it there, then that liver is going to work in your recipient. If it doesn't, then you probably shouldn't use it. So they showed us the first example of viability testing in a human. They consented a patient to undergo a transplant with a liver that was turned down by all centers in the United Kingdom. So the first liver that they found was... um, The first liver they tried this on was a DCD donor, uh, average BMI. But the problem with this donor was that it was a warm ischemia time of 49 minutes. So that's 49 minutes from basically the extubation until cross-clamping the donor. And across the world, we use about 30 minutes as the maximum. So this is about 20 minutes longer than what we would consider a usable liver. They put this liver on one of the normothermic perfusion devices and brought it back to Birmingham. And here is the data that they generated about the liver while they were deciding whether or not to use it. So you can see it has normal flow in the portal vein and the hepatic artery. It's able to normalize the pH in the perfusate that's circulating. It's utilizing glucose, which is a good sign on the machine. And then most importantly, in the lower right, you can see it takes the lactate, which was originally very high, and reduces it down to two or less than two, and it stays there. So they decided after a few hours of perfusion, this liver was usable for transplant. And they transplanted into this gentleman with cancer. And he's about a year and a half out or so now. He had a very short hospitalization. He had uh, normal renal function after transplant, didn't require CVVH, and has had no complications. So this was the first published example of taking a high-risk donor that was turned down by every center in the country, putting it on one of these devices so that it could be tested to see if it's working, and then transplanting it into a human. So they went on to say, that was a a good idea. Let's see if we can do that again. So they took a small series of six livers that were turned down by every center in that country. Some examples are um, a DCD donor with a warm ischemia time of 109 minutes. So... Um, three or four times as high as we would take in this country. Our maximum is 30 minutes. Not in this country, but in any country. Um, A DCD donor with a BMI of 45, which all liver surgeons would be scared of, and a DCD donor with a donor risk index greater than three. So these are just three examples of the livers that were turned down by everybody and accepted, put on this one of these devices, and then tested to see if they would work. So here's the the most important piece of data when you're evaluating a liver while it's on the device, and that's what's going on with the lactate in the perfusate. So all six livers were initially able to reduce the lactate, but you can see liver number two in red started to sputter a little bit, and the lactate went up. So they decided not to use liver number two, but they transplanted the other five livers. 
they had 100% immediate graph function, no early allograph dysfunction, no primary non-function. And amazingly, they had uh, only one of the five patients that was transplanted required CVVH. And I think that the liver surgeons in the room would tell you that you, we would expect all five of these recipients to be on CVVH based on the quality of the donor. And they had zero biliary complications six months after transplant in these five patients. So I think this is far and away the most important aspect of normothermic liver perfusion. And this is the only um, paper that I put in your handout in, because I think that as we look at the clinical trials that are starting to come back and um, the data that's being generated about normothermic liver perfusion, this data is extremely hard to build into a clinical trial, but this is the most important data because this is how we're going to increase utilization. So the real benefit of normothermic perfusion is that it identifies primary non-function before putting the recipient at risk. You put the liver on the machine, and if it's not working, you don't transplant it. It could have a profound impact on liver utilization, which I truly believe. And in England, at least, they estimate the 20 to 40% increase in utilization if they're able to um, use normothermic liver perfusion for, for marginal donors. I don't suggest that we replace cold storage for normal livers from young donors that are not fatty, because clearly we've uh, been able to achieve a lot of success using that, and that is a cheaper, simpler option, and clearly that is fine for uh, the donors that we are currently using. But I propose that um, normothermic liver perfusion really can open up the donor pool and can cause a paradigm shift in the donors that we think are possible and not possible because you can test the liver and not have to test it in your recipient. So currently there are trials being designed that are important, and we hope to be involved in these trials, and we, like I said, are starting the Organox trial uh, within the next few weeks or, or two months. And these are randomized trials, cold storage versus normothermic perfusion. We transplant the liver and look at the outcomes. But like I said, I don't think this is really going to demonstrate the most profound benefit for normothermic perfusion. So I think we need to remember that as we're looking at the results of these trials as they come out. What we really need to study is looking at marginal livers, livers with fat or older donors or DCD donors. These livers that are turned down by all centers, they can be put on the device and tested and then transplanted or discarded, and in a way you'd be comparing organ discard to organs that are used. So what are the challenges? Well, the cost is a challenge. The devices um, are, are not cheap, and there is a, a disposable component that needs to be purchased for each transplant, so who is going to pay for that cost? There's a lot of logistics involved. Um, you have to get the machine to the donor hospital. You have to get packed red blood cells to the donor hospital. How are you going to transport the machine? Who's going to pay for it? Who's going to insure it? All those lots of questions. The real challenge is designing a clinical trial that will show reduced rates of primary non-function while increasing utilization, which, as you can imagine, is extremely difficult because how can you design a trial that's going to have a control arm with a high rate of primary non-function? You can't. Uh, clearly that would not be a good idea. So demonstrating a reduced rate of primary non-function when the rate is 2% or so is difficult. And somehow, how can we allow the data to catch up to the experience described by the early adapters of this new technology? So in conclusion, 
We know that cold storage is fine for a lot of livers, but very injurious to marginal livers. And normal thermic machine perfusion improves early liver function after transplant and likely reduces biliary complications, but again, we're waiting for that data. And we think that that all happens because of the dramatic reduction in cold ischemia time down to about a half an hour, 45 minutes. But I think the real value is the viability testing without putting the patient at risk. And I think we need to really compare perfusion to discarded livers. And as you read the data that's going to be coming out about normothermic perfusion, remember the limitations of structuring a clinical trial and how we can really demonstrate a reduction in primary non-function and discard. Thanks. Can I ask the first question? Um, so are you limiting this technology to only you know, donation after cardiac death donors right now? Well, currently it's limited uh, to clinical trials, and obviously within the structure of a clinical trial, uh, there are a lot of limitations. The one that we're going to enroll in is going to be for brain-dead donors over 40 and all DCD donors. So... Um, I wouldn't limit it to just DCD donors. I think the real benefit is going to be older donors and donors that, are, uh, that have some steatosis. Because if those donors, uh, if you transplant those livers and they don't have primary non-function, those livers work extremely well for a long time. And um, do you anticipate that beyond clinical trial, you need a separate consent process for these patients? Or how do you, how do you envision this process to be? Well, yes. I mean, consenting is, is uh, an interesting process. I think that patients, when they get presented with this information, because um, I have consented patients in the U.K. for this, and they really understand this concept and, and believe in the fact that putting a liver in an ice box is probably not as good as putting it in a machine that makes it think it's in the body. So consenting the patients is extremely easy, but convincing everybody around organ allocation that it's the right idea is, is harder because there are so many barriers. That's a great question. Um, she asked, Dr. Peters asked if it was going to be limited geographically in the United States. So there are multiple issues. Um, there are different devices, and they have different capabilities, I guess we would say. The transmedics device can go in an airplane. Um, the Organox device currently cannot go in an airplane, uh, but we think we'll be able to go in an airplane in a, in a couple months. Uh, in the United Kingdom, every donor was a drive away, so they didn't have this issue. So that's why it's still evolving, and our, our, uh, the way we deal with it is still evolving. But I think that eventually all the devices will be approved to fly because about approximately 50% of our donors are a fly away and to not incorporate those donors into the to the benefit would would um, be ridiculous I think Great. thank you very much oh one last one uh, Magdi Both good questions. The, in terms of the length of cold storage, uh, 
uh, he asked how long a, a liver is viable in cold storage versus on, on the machine. And then he asked about how many units of packed red blood cells we use on the device. So um, cold storage, the limit for cold storage depends on the quality of the liver. So if it's a young brain-dead donor, we go, can go out to about 24 hours. But as the liver gets older or more steatotic, the risk of primary nonfunction goes up. So we push that cold storage limit down. And, you know, a DCD liver from an older donor, we try to get in at about six hours. So there's a window, and it depends on the, the quality of the organ. The window for machine perfusion, I think, is undefined. There's one example in the literature of a, a liver that was perfused, I think, for 26 hours. But I think the limiting factor for the extent you can perfuse is probably the risk of, of infection or bacterial overgrowth because the liver is working normally on the device. And having seen a lot of these livers pumping away, um, you have a lot of confidence to allow it to be on the device for a long time because it looks completely normal. So 24 hours is, I think, the set limit by the companies, but that's, it's a little undefined. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.